Welcome to All Things Pilates, Season 4. Though we can't know exactly what Joseph Pilates was thinking or feeling towards the end of his life, we do know he wanted the entire world to practice Contrology, and that want has certainly become a reality. Hello everyone, I'm Darian Gold, and here on All Things Pilates, we discuss the man, the method, and how his genius continues to influence and inspire. In a previous episode with my guest, Pat Guyton, when I asked her about her time as a board member of the PMA, she gave me a brief explanation of the Pilates method and its beginnings. If you recall, Pat explained that Kevin Bowen and Colleen Glenn, both Pilates teachers, shared a mutual interest in preserving Joe's method. So they invited Pilates teachers, including the first generation, Ron Fletcher, Mary Bowen, Kathy Grant, Lolita San Miguel, and even Romana Krasinowska, though she didn't attend. Also equipment company owners, Ken Endelman and Moira Stott. They all met in Miami, Florida to form an organization, and they set out to create a curriculum that would be the industry standard for certifying potential Pilates teachers. In addition, by validating for the public that a Pilates teacher would meet standards for safety, both in teaching and assisting the student. For the last two decades, the PMA has continued to serve its members and the Pilates community. In 2021, the PMA hired a new executive director. Her name is Carla Harris, and she is my guest today. Carla has over 25 years of experience in team building and helping other leaders like herself to be more engaging with their teams. In 2016, Carla penned her first literary work with Faith Works, an innovative approach to workforce development, which takes a deep dive into the humanistic delivery of social services and how to bring the humanity back to human resources. She is also a featured author in the anthology, Women of Courage, Volume 4. So now that Carla is at the helm of this organization, has the PMA's message changed, evolved, or remained the same? Well, we are going to find out. Hello, Carla. Welcome to All Things Pilates. How are you? Thank you, Darian, for having me. You are very welcome. Carla, you've had so much experience in being in leadership positions. In your opinion, what does it take to be in a leadership position? Uh, for me, uh, my greatest belief is being a human being, being authentic in my approach. Uh, I think leaders who show their humanistic side, they are more apt at gaining the trust of their team, showing others that it's okay to make a mistake. Communication comes in all forms and learning the best way to communicate really comes from developing strong relationships with those that you're wanting to communicate with. So it's the relationship building, really. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think you were a born leader? I think we are, we can have tendencies 
that help us grow as leaders. But I also think that it's a learned skill as well. So, so probably a combination of both. It was, the seed was there. Yeah, 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 definitely. What was it about the PMA that attracted you? What, what initially brought me to the PMA was their desire to recognize that something was broken and it needed to be fixed. There was a lot of outcry around the lack of diversity in the industry, in the association. Um, and that's what my company was hired for, was to really help clarify and define what it means to have an organization that's open and diverse. And it's a, it's a challenge for me to help leaders grow. I mean, part of it, the first step to fixing anything is recognizing that something is broken. So that was important for me to make sure that the, that the PMA as a client understood that there's a lot of work ahead and it's going to take changing a mindset, uh, upsetting a culture of, of sameness. How did they actually find you? I was referred by a colleague. I, I do a lot of diversity and equity uh, training and my company does what's called the diversity challenge. And so I was referred to the PMA to participate in the challenge for the organization to participate in the diversity challenge. And after my initial uh, discovery questions with uh, the then executive director and board chair, it was determined that they were not ready for the diversity challenge. There was a lot that needed to be done internally. So we, we started down that path versus the diversity challenge path. And then from there, you moved into eventually in 2021, towards the end of 2021, you moved into the executive director position. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Did you want it? I, well, clearly I did because I'm here, right? What I wanted was to finish the work we had started. That's what I wanted. I wanted, we were making such great strides to moving the organization in a different direction, in a newer, uh, more relevant direction, that changing leadership at, the, at that point would have been more detrimental to the organization than helpful. The PMA's YouTube channel shares a lot of what it's doing. I, I, I suspect that, is it doing more now since you're in that position? Maybe that's my first question what you are sharing with the public on your YouTube channel, is there more coverage now because of your position? I can't speak to previous coverage, um, but what I can tell you is that it is, and it has been a long, it has been a goal since my taking over that we help direct the messaging for around diversity, around PMA, around Pilates, around structure, because the organization really needed some internal structure. So part of that was getting the message out. I think that there was by admission, 
of many people who were involved previously in the organization, uh, both outsiders and insiders. There was a lack of transparency. So my goal was to just be simply that, be transparent in what we're doing, why we're doing it, what the outcomes hope to be, and just really look at taking the organization to beyond what any one person or one group's thoughts that the organization should be and becoming, um, approaching it with a lot of objectivity versus um, sort of siloed and insular thinking. Underneath all of all of this perhaps new thinking is Joe's message and keeping Joe's work alive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. And you're just, you're trying to help people understand that there's more out there to send this message through to everyone. Absolutely. So Joe's message was Pilates, everyone in the world should be doing Pilates. Everyone in the world cannot be do cannot do Pilates if it's cost prohibitive, if it's unattainable, if it's uh, inaccessible. So as the association for the industry, we're an objective party. We are the association for the industry of Pilates as a whole, not one frame of thinking. That leads me to my other question about your YouTube channel, which is there was a story or stories that caught my interest for sure, and that's about children and bringing Joe's work to schools, which is what he wanted from the beginning. For me personally, teaching children before they get into some bad habits, spiritually, mentally, physically, psychologically, to teach children these, just even just the mat exercises, to teach them to be more present in their bodies and to help them learn how to build strength and flexibility and balance and especially resilience. Because as you and I both know, as we get older and we are confronted with different life experiences, we need to tap into something that we have developed as a child. Can you speak more about that? Well, I agree wholeheartedly in what you're saying. So, so there's a period at the end of that. I agree with you. The question is, if that's a genuine statement that we should get Pilates in schools, the question that I ask as the leader of the organization, what kinds of schools? Are we only wanting it to be in private schools? Are we wanting it to be as a part of after school programs in every neighborhood in the country, in the world? Are we looking at it at being um, as a part of a physical education program in public schools? And if the answer to that, to each of those questions is yes, then we have to make a case for it. We have to uh, make it available for the schools and the school districts that have the tax dollars to write it into their school budgets. I mean, in so many school districts, they are eliminating physical education because of budget cuts. So how do we maintain it as a value to our young people growing up? And if we are going to do that, our 
goal as an association is to educate the policymakers, educate uh, the decision makers on why why it's important. And we, as as the central entity, we are in the best position to do that. It can't be done effectively if we as the organization, as the membership, don't really understand how to do that. And that's where we come in as an association. How do you advocate for a cause? Where do we get the statistics? How do we create the statistics? And we do that through things like our research forum and educational uh, outreach and those kinds of things. And we're, you know, a year and a half into this, even though we're a 20-year organization, the structure and follow-through, we're just really beginning to move in that direction, to solidify what the goals are, and then how do we build upon those goals? Do you see the the work or Joe's work in all public schools, which I say, yes, 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 in the next couple of years? Do you think it might take five years? I know there's a lot of the higher ups that need to be convinced. Well, they all need to be doing it anyway, right? It needs to touch them. Their lives need to be impacted too. But do you see a time soon that Joe's work and Joe will get his way? So that's that's a pretty, give me some hope here, it, Carla. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a pretty loaded question, right? So in order for this organization to have an impact at the highest level, right, which is, I mean, Department of Education in this country. Hold on, yes. Right, so Department of Education is the pinnacle. How do we get there? We have to first get there by making sure we are a solid organization able to provide the services. The piece of that that we have to work on is strengthening our studios, strengthening the people who are actually teaching the method or the or the craft to the students. And as a person who understands up here, which is the Department of Education and what that looks like, knowing that they're going to say, well, we would love to give you some money because I know that's what they're going to say because I'm optimistic, right? We would love to give you some money, but what are you going to do with the money? How can you handle the money? Do you have the wherewithal to understand programming and grant writing? Those are the things that have to be done first. So when I talk about development of the business structures of the members that are a part of the PMA, I'm talking about it with that vision in mind. Because we don't provide services at the PMA. We don't provide classes. We are the intermediary between where the money comes from and where the money is going. So that's why there has to be a strengthening of the operational side of the industry, the business side of the industry. And it can be done. You don't have to be a business owner having a franchise. You don't have to be 
a business owner with a, with you know four or five studios, you can simply be a Pilates teacher with a strong business acumen and still work out of your home. You don't have to have a brick and mortar studio. You don't, and, and there's a misconception about that. And that's our role as an organization is to help our members understand those things. Say more about the misconception. That was one of my, that was certainly one of my other questions. So there's a difference. So, so, so let's see, I, I started my business a couple decades ago, right? And I have, and, and just on a personal side, I've never thought of my company as a small company. I've always considered myself a small business. In the U.S., a small business is classified as an organization with 500 employees or less, right? So when I was, my company was probably about four or five years old and I won my first local government contract, it was me and a part-time assistant. And I had a 50-page policies and procedures manual because that's what the agency required for me and a part-time assistant. So it's all about mindset. I had accounting practices. I had a bank account that was separate for my organization, for my company. I had all of those things in place and my office was in my second bedroom. So the point I'm trying to make is that you don't have to think about your organization as a big, huge conglomerate you just have to have strong programming, have strong uh, operational acumen and take it to the world. And then if you decide you want your organization to grow, I, uh, you know, that one contract helped me grow from me and a part-time person to 15 employees over a two or three year period receiving multiple awards. Those are the things that when I think about going to places like uh, Department of Education, Department of Health, even at a local level, you know, every organism, every, every municipality has its own dollars that they can grant out. You know, you don't have to go, we don't have to go to the top of the mountain right away. We can go local, but the requirements are still the same. The requirements are still the same because organizations, government entities, even donors and, and, and foundation uh, folks are not going to give money to people and, and companies that don't know how to manage it because there's still a return on the investment. And whether you have one assistant or 15, the vision has to be clear so that yeah. everyone is on the same page all the time. Correct. It has to sink into people. So it's, it's just, it's like when I, when I, I've been teaching Pilates since 92 and I've told students and some have turned into teachers mm -hmm. for the first, maybe five or 10 years, you basically have to eat Pilates. You have to drink Pilates. You have to sleep Pilates. It has to just be in your cells. And so if you have a lofty goal and I just keep coming back to what Joe wanted. And I think those of us who are really embedded in the same, the same sentiment and emotion, 
you know, I get a little emotional because his work is so powerful. And we all have to, we have to stay very clear about what our contribution is. Mm. One thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm not even sure where we can go with this, but I know when, because I studied with Ramana, mm -hmm. she was my main, my main lady. Absolutely. From the very first class with her, she talked about safety because when you are getting on the Cadillac or the high chair, you're going to either injure someone if you don't know what you're doing or they're never coming back because they don't feel safe. Can you say more about safety standards that the PMA stands behind? We have standards through that were developed prior to my coming on board uh, through the former Pilates school approval program. We are now, we have taken those standards and uh, refined them through our ITAP program, which is our, pro, our teacher training accreditation program. And having those standards is really important to making what you're, you know, making the case for what you're talking about, making your clients feel safe, feel comfortable. Um, one of the things that we're doing for this year um, for the 23 conference is uh, having CPR training as a class for people to take um, because it should be a part of every single conference we have. It has to be, you know, if your person passes out on the floor, you call 911, absolutely, but you should also as a health and wellness provider, you should know how to do what has to be done until the paramedics get there. So it's so for us internally, it's making sure that we are beginning to institute those practices. I love it. It's something that we had to do on our own. Mm. We had to just go find a certification place that we would do our CPR training. So I love that idea. That's fantastic. I have to ask you, did you have a connection with Pilates before you were hired? Nope, I did not. Um, you knew about it and you knew something. I did in a very, very, very... Distant. I, I was one of those people uh, who, like, you know, many lay folks thought Pilates, yoga, there's a similarity. Of course, now that is completely not the case. <laughs> I am very much more educated about uh, the two. I currently work with someone who is um, a Pilates instructor here in South Florida. But no, I didn't. I did not. And I, I count that as a benefit to the uh, organizational structure for the PMA because it is what I'm bringing to the table is all about getting this organization to a place where it can survive. And our board members are all Pilates teachers. Um, I think one is not, but she's a Pilates enthusiast. She's studying right now, she's a student. Um, but everyone else has been in the industry for many, many years. They've been teachers for many, many years. 
So they provide that guidance for us. You know, when we're doing messaging, marketing, we make sure that the the images we're using are appropriate um, because it's very difficult to find graphics in your sort of stock photos because when you search for it, most of the pictures that come up are, po are yoga poses. So, you know, from that perspective, we definitely call on our board. But for me personally, it has been a newfound uh, and it's been interesting and good to grow and learn um, because now... Are you sore after class? You know, it's a different kind of soreness. You know, I tell people it's, you know, you go to the gym and you do your traditional workouts and your, your quads hurt to the touch. Pilates is, you feel it from the inside. So I feel it. It's not, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm unable to move after, you know, working out for a week or so, where is what a traditional workout, you know, it's, it's really, you can't even stand up or sit down. It's crazy. <laughs> Have you noticed that you are sitting or standing taller? Um, I'm more conscious of it. I don't know if I'm doing it more, but I'm more conscious of it. Uh, unfortunately, with my schedule, I don't get to go as often as I'd like. And it's actually been difficult where I go is about 20 minutes away, which is so far when you have the kind of schedule that I have. So it's, you know, if I can do it more, I think my body would remember more than it does now. And so that means you've been on the apparatus, not just the mat work. Yes, I prefer the apparatus. I have a physical uh, disability, so I need modification. And the mat classes, the mat just too doesn't work for me. It's mm -hmm. too much. So you get the support of the springs and the bars. Yeah, yeah. That's fabulous. So are you a keeper? Are you, has Joe Pilates' work come into you <laughs> like all of us teachers? It, uh, uh, I don't want to be a teacher. Um, okay. But I do, I would love to be able to do it four or five days a week. I would love oh. to, because I do, even in just doing it once a week. Um, feel great, right? It's, it's, I can definitely tell the difference. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. Good luck. I, I it's fantastic that the executive director of the PMA has her classes. It's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. We touched upon just a little bit about racial diversity. We're trying to have a more just and inclusive society, which has been challenging and will continue to be challenging. How is the PMA actually making room for racial diversity and gender equality? Well, I'm super excited because uh, just so, so let me back up for a second. So the first thing I want to tell you is that we have the most diverse board in the history of the association. We have amended uh, the bylaws to include diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion in how we fill our board seats through the nomination process using a blind uh, application process. We have updated our core values to be a very 
overt just admission to this is what we're about now. We're about those areas of uh, committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have an anti-racism statement in the bylaws. Just today, we have uh, the board voted in the, today's board meeting to create a DEIB committee. And DEIB is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and create a. Is that a new entity? No, it's a. So we have standing committees in the bylaws, and membership was a standing committee. So the board today voted to have to change the name from a membership committee to our DEIB committee where we will then, uh, starting in 2023, we will have affinity groups where people who are of the of like mind, who have, um, who work with certain populations, who are of, of certain demographic, identify in certain demographic groups, where they will now have a place to go as a group to, talk about what their challenges are and come up with ways to help other members feel welcome and uh, like they belong no matter what their background is. And we're, I'm very excited. This, I mean, literally this is hot off the press. The board meeting was just today. So we're in the process of, you know, planning out what that's going to look like from an implementation standard, but we are really moving in that direction. Could you give me a real life situation where something like this would be included? Is it something that would show up for 2023 annual convention? What does that actually look like? So we're still defining what that we're still defining how it looks, right? I mean, organizations, chambers, uh, professional associations, there's really sort of a moving away from membership committees, right? What are they there for? Um, they're there to make sure members are satisfied, they're happy, they're getting some value, whatever their return is on what they're investing. But every organization's committees should be doing all of those things anyway. Because if you're on the executive committee, you're committed to the organization. If you're on the events committee, it's to create events that are uh, bring value to our um, to our members. If you're on the education committee, so all of those things seek to do that to help grow the organization's members as a whole. What happens with? when you have, or if there is an organization that is historically leaning to one type of member, how are we making those who don't fit in that one type of membership, how are we making them feel included? Is there a voice for people of color and how they're approaching their, um, their business in the Pilates industry? Do they have a seat at the table? What about those who identify in the LGBTQ space? Are they, do they have a voice? Are they feeling like they belong? 
What about those who are how, who have Pilates? This is their second career. And they may be in their 50s and 60s where other, you know, the majority could be younger. Where do they fit in? So what we want to do is create a space and an environment for all members, no matter where you are in your career, no matter where you are in your training. We're looking at a part of, of one of our groups to be the young professionals in Pilates, right? So if you're 35 and under, what does it look like when you're just starting your career? Is this your second career? Are you, you know, have you retired and now you, you know, want to do something fun and earn money from it because you've been doing it for a number of years. So it's just a way for us to create a much stronger understanding about what the obstacles can be, can, can, you know, face certain different groups of people. Corporations have been doing this over the past few years through what's called ERGs. And those are employee resource, employee resource groups. And those are groups that help certain demographics, you know, set with mentorship with understanding how to advance within your career. And we're just adopting uh, that similar model for our membership association. If someone wanted to be on the board of directors, do they have to be part of the, a membership group first or how does that work out? So um, no, the answer is no, you don't. Um, you don't even have to be a member of the PMA to apply to be on the board. Uh, however, when you become a board member, you have to be a member of the PMA. Um, but there's an application process. Um, we're terming off our first group. Uh, we have a staggered board, so we're terming. We have a few positions that are terming off at the end of 23. So we will be opening up our application process uh, or application for the board membership in uh, spring of 23. And uh, those who are then elected would start their term in January of 24. Two-year term? It's a three-year term and we have staggered terms. So uh, we always, we never have a full board terming off. Well, that's smart. Can't have everyone mm -hmm. leave the house. <laughs> yeah. So we do have, we have, and, and we have our first group that will be leaving the board in this new staggered process. When we speak about contemporary Pilates and classical Pilates, I'm sure you you didn't know before you jumped into this world, but I think you're probably more aware that there are two camps, so to speak. Are they both represented at the conferences and your different events? And also, are they both represented equally on the board of directors? Uh, I can't answer that question about the board of directors without really polling the board of directors. What I can say to you is that every uh, style is welcomed at the PMA. Our goal is to make sure that when people are selected through a process, because even our presenters at the conference is through a full application process, it goes through a blind process. So we have no idea who in round one, there's no name attached. There's no school training attached. It really is about curriculum and what you're going to be presenting and what the takeaways are. 
before we even see your name and who you are and what your picture looks like. And that is part of our commitment to um, to making transparent, having a blind process and, and moving forward in that direction. So we have uh, we have everything and we want to, we want to have everything because even though there's a certain style that may be, that started the organization, how are we building upon that, right? Because when you think about this, I am a, a huge Prince fan, the musician. I love Prince, yes. right? Yes. And... Then there Purple is rain. <laughs> then there's the <laughs> opera, right? Right. And the ballet. So I grew up listening to uh and, and listening to Tchaikovsky because that's what my mother loved. My brother was a big, huge rock and roll fan. So I grew up listening to all kinds of music. When the ballet, traditional American ballet, can't get any more traditional than that, right? Partnered with the Prince community and created a ballet using Prince music was totally outside the box, right? Yeah. That's what we are as the PMA. It doesn't matter what, how you teach your Pilates. It doesn't matter what style you identify with. You're all, everyone is welcome here at the, for the membership association. Well, thank you for saying that. Absolutely. I tell folks it's like the American Medical Association. It doesn't have just one type of doctor, right? It has all types. Well, in closing, I have one more question for you and you probably through this interview, already probably convinced those who are on the fence. You're in getting into the elevator. It's the concept of the three-minute elevator pitch. What can you say to those teachers who have yet to be convinced about what you've just shared today about joining the PMA? What can you say to them? No pressure, but, you know. Just a little bit. Can you say? <laughs> no pressure. Um, I would say, first of all, just give us a try. I mean, clearly, I, I have said to many people, and I'll say it here, that send me an email. If you want to have a conversation, let's talk. Because I can't know what you're thinking unless you tell me. I will also put the little asterisk there and say, doesn't mean we're going to change lots of things, but that's how many of our changes have happened are beginning to happen because of having these conversations. So I would say, give us a try. And just know that our philosophy internally at the PMA with our staff, we work for the members. This is their association. And our goal is to help them get as much value from this as possible in a remote world. Because clearly we're a remote organization. We don't have chapters and it's a different kind of intention has to be behind even you as a member. And 
the, I guess finally, I would say, get involved. You don't have to sit on the board to be on a committee. You do have to be a member to be on a committee, but we have, you can apply to be on a committee. We have a standing application. Let us know where you want to serve and we will forward your application to the committee chair. And if you're interested today and starting next week, you'll get an invitation to come to the next month's meeting. So get involved and support the organization's change. We're changing and we're changing for the better because we know that unless you invest time and money, Darian, you can't grow your business. And our goal is to help our members grow their business. And we can't reach the whole world with just a few people who have real viable businesses um, in their community. We need everybody to think about how they can reach every person. All right, Carla. Carla Harris, Executive Director of the PMA. Thank you so much for your time. And if people now are no longer on the fence and they want to reach out, what's the best way? The best way is to reach out to me via email. And it's Carla H. And it's Carla with a C. So C-A-R-L-A-H at PilatesMethodAlliance.org. Uh, I'm probably going to overwhelm Corinne by getting all those emails, but that's what we do. That's what we do. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All Things Pilates is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Mastered audio mix by Fabian Romero. Theme music, Soul Blues Piano Shuffle by Boom Zoom. If you're liking this podcast, will you please consider writing a review? It won't cost you anything, and you'll make me a happy host. Eleanor Roosevelt once said, a good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. We all have the potential to not just be good, but great. Be your own great leader. As always, I remain in awe of Joe's work, and I look forward to being with you again for another episode of All Things Pilates.